Praise the Lord. I'm just going to get my bottle that's already open over here so we don't waste it. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, did any of you see the solar eclipse like live? <laughs> or did you just see it on television or Huh? Well, you know, it was a big talk, like, oh, it's the end of the world, oh, this, oh, that. And every time I see things like that, I think, are they not aware that there's been solar eclipse going on from the very beginning? Like, oh, this is the first solar eclipse. Jesus is coming. <laughs> In fact, I just, just before I came uh, well, actually, a couple of hours before I came tonight. This is a this is a faith uh, online thing, and here's the here's the headline: Is Jesus coming back? Eight Christian leaders weigh in on the meaning of the solar eclipse. Today is the day to totality and beyond. Can I tell you? I read all eight of them. And we're not going to take time to talk about them. Because, you know, one of them used the word, uh, used the scripture, well, there'll be signs in the heavens. Well, that's what the word says, there'll be signs in the heavens. But how many know, if, if that was, if a solar eclipse is a sign of the heaven, then Jesus should have come back before he even went. <laughs> really, there are signs in the heavens right now, you know, over in... Uh, over in the Middle East, and I mean, they're seeing Jesus come out of the clouds, he comes down and talks to them. There are many signs, you know, signs in the heavens and on the earth beneath. It's not talking about, you know, Jesus being on your piece of toast. That's, that's not, it's talking about truly signs of the coming. Jesus is coming again, but, uh, I, you know, I'm just thankful that we could see the solar eclipse. I, I, uh, I wasn't even sure when it happened because I was playing out in the backyard with my grandson and so I didn't want him to look up at the sun because we didn't have any of the glasses or anything. So how many know that kids just don't normally look up at the sun? <laughs> but I thought if I can just keep him busy, then, you know, then maybe, maybe we'll know when it happens. I thought, I don't know when it happened. I, I got back in the house and it already happened. Like, it did it, did it get very dark? I mean, it, it just, you would have known. It, it was kind of like, kind of like evening. Was it? Or did I miss the whole thing? But praise the Lord. You know, the, I had, I, you know, I just thank God that we have, we're able to see things like that because I think they're very cool and interesting. But it also shows us that God made the heavens and the earth. Amen? He, God knows exactly where the sun is, where the moon is. He knows where every star is, every planet is, every galaxy, every constellation. He knows all of that, and he put them in place. But I love it, like when he said to Abram, Abram, can you count the stars? Have you ever tried to count stars? 
He said, so shall your descendants be. Here was a man who was near 100 years old, who never had children, and God says, can you count the stars? That's how your descendants will be. And then he said, to me it was even greater, can you count the grains of sand? That's even greater. In other words, God is limitless, isn't he? Tonight we're going to talk about something that is going to help us in the days to come because how many know you, you need to know how to live by faith? And uh, if you're not getting faith taught to you, or if you're not teaching yourself faith, if you don't have a faith project, you ought to have one. You and your family ought to have a faith project. You know, what are you believing God for? If I came to each one of you tonight and said, what are you believing God for? You ought to have something that's just an instant thing. Instant. At least one thing. And if you don't, then check with me. I can give you some of mine. You can work on those. Amen? Hallelujah. But tonight we're going to talk about feed your faith and starve your fear. Feed your faith and starve your fear. In this life, you're going to have two forces. There's two forces at work in everyone's life, faith and fear. Is that right? You're either going to be motivated by faith or you're going to be motivated by fear. And so how are we going to get to the point where we can truly walk in faith and leave fear behind? You can, do you know you can live fear-free? You know, I, I'm just thinking about the children going back to school, and we were praying for them on Monday night. And uh, just even hearing things that have been said to my grandson, you know, people are like, are you, a, are you nervous? Are you a little scared? That's not, you shouldn't be saying those things, amen? You should say things like, how exciting is this for you? Isn't this going to be wonderful? And you know, one of the first scriptures I taught to my children, one of them was Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's a good one to teach right at first. But another one was, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so we taught that to Moses when he was just really little, and we keep saying it because I know that for me, I was raised in fear. Anybody else raised in fear? Your, your parents thought it was a good thing to, to teach you to be afraid. That's how, that's how most people raise their children, you know. And uh, they think that's a good way. But you can raise your children with wisdom instead of fear. Amen. Instead of saying, if you get in the street, you're going to get run over. You can say, if you get in the street, that's not using wisdom. You know, when, when our kids would leave out, we wouldn't say, be careful. We would say, use wisdom. They knew that that meant we're not afraid, but we are going to use wisdom. Amen? So I want to just show you some, a couple of things. How does faith come? Anybody can tell me really quickly how faith comes? King James says, by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But most other translations say, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So you might say, well, isn't that the same? No, it's not. Christ, it means, what does Christ mean? The anointed one and his anointing. So faith comes by hearing the anointed word and hearing what the Messiah has to say hearing what the Christ has to say. So, you know, it's, 
it's six of one and half a dozen of the other really don't make a big deal about it. But I think it is important that we understand that, that when we hear the word of Christ, the anointed word, then that builds faith, right? And we know that that Greek word, hearing, is, uh, uh, it's a, a, in Greek, we, we can't do it in English, but it's a, it's a word that means over and over. So it really should say, or could say, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. So when someone starts to preach something, you say, I've already heard that. Well, that's good, because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. Have you had to tell yourself, have you had to quote some scriptures sometimes over and over when you know you know it, but then circumstances hit you and you have to speak those scriptures? Anybody had to do that? You can't say, oh, well, you know, I, I know those healing scriptures. I don't have to say them. Yes, you do. Because as you say them, faith builds up again. Faith builds up again. You, you'll remember what God has already done, and it'll build your faith. But here's the thing is, fear comes the same way. If faith and fear are opposites, then isn't it just rational to say, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Fear comes by hearing and hearing the word of Satan or the evil one, right? Yes. Or just the flesh. You know, fear can come from just hearing what your flesh has to say. You know, you might get a pain in your, your, your body and all of a sudden you, you diagnose yourself. And in the day of Google, you can have yourself almost dead. You can. You read and go, oh my, oh my. My mother just thought it was just imperative that every time she got a prescription, and she didn't take much medicine at all, she didn't like taking, she even thought you shouldn't take vitamins because they were in pill form. And so I, I was like that too when I first got saved. I thought, no, you don't, anything in pill form you don't take. That's crazy. But anyway, that's, my mama didn't want to take pills. But if she ever got prescribed something, you know how they, they send out this piece of paper and it tells you here's the possible side effects? Yeah. My mother would read them all and meditate on it. And then she'd call me and say, I think I got it. I think I got this side effect. I think I got that side effect. Now, in Canada, we don't have those commercials about medicine. You know, we don't see all those. And I don't have cable, so I don't watch American television at all, except when I go down there, and it's like, oh, my goodness, who would even take anything? You know, possible death or possible paralysis or possible this. No, but fear will come in if you meditate on those things. You know, there's some people that, that uh, they have really strict thoughts and beliefs about, you know, if, if they were ever to get cancer, what would they do? Would they, you know, some people already have their mind made up. Well, I'm, I'm not ever going to take chemotherapy. I'd never do that. Well, you know what? That's just fine if that's what your belief is. But for me, being a pastor, being a leader, I have always had, I don't think it's my place to tell anybody what they should do. I might have an opinion, but you know, it's my opinion. So I always say, if, if your faith, if you have faith that you can take the chemotherapy, then take it. Because most people don't have the faith 
to get supernaturally healed. But now you can, we can, amen? If we'll meditate on the word, if we'll put the word in us, we can have that. So fear comes in when we hear things. For instance, if you hear, uh, you know, what we hear lately, North Korea has missiles that could reach. Now they're saying things in like Guam or Hawaii, but you know, to be quite honest, they can reach Canada. So you could get fearful, couldn't you? But I always like to go to Isaiah 54. It says, terror will be far from us. Amen? Amen. That builds my faith. I don't have to be afraid because a thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come nigh me, the, uh, Psalm 91 says, right? So why, I built my faith in not to be afraid. I'm amazed at people who are afraid to get on airplanes. Uh, I'm on an airplane like usually at least once a month and uh, at least, and I, I've just... I've never been afraid. Now, let me tell you, I've been in where there, <laughs> I was in a little small plane one time and we got into a thunderstorm. How many know being in a small plane in a thunderstorm is not your ideal place you want to be? And so <laughs> they had flown to, to Dallas to pick me up because I was speaking in another place. So the church had sent a plane, a private plane to pick me up and take me to this other place. So the pilot, I didn't know the pilot. So he says, you know, you got these headphones on so they can talk to you. He says, now, it's going to be really rough. Are you okay? I'm okay. I'm fine. Well, all of a sudden, boom, we just went down. Then we went up, and then we went down. Well, you know what? Fear was starting to come. <laughs> I, I didn't think I'd ever be afraid of flying. But you know what I did? I put in my... My uh, earplugs, not my earplugs, I put in my, my, what do you call those, earbuds, and started listening to praise and worship and shut my eyes. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to hear it because I knew that God was going to get us to the other side. Amen? So you have to be available to have faith in you. You have to put faith in. You know, I was trained in uh, computer programming and this is in the years where computers were, you know, about the, I mean, they were huge. They took up whole rooms. And uh, <clears throat> so we had a thing that we learned in the early days. It was called uh, G-I-G-O, GIGO, and it means garbage in, garbage out. So that's why some people say, well, it's the computer's fault. Most of the time it's not the computer's fault. It's the whoever put the stuff in the computer's fault whether it's a programmer or whether it's a data entry person. But it said garbage in, garbage out. That's exactly how our spirits are. You put garbage in, you get garbage out. You put faith in, you get faith out. You know, the word says that, that from your mouth, from, from your heart, your mouth will speak. Amen? So you can know if you have faith or fear in your heart by what comes out your mouth. How many have been driving on our wonderful roads in the winter and you start to slide? You're going into a spin. What comes out of your mouth? You don't have time to pray Psalm 91. Jesus. Well, if you got Jesus take the will, you did good. I normally can get out Jesus. But you know what? That name is above every name. Amen? So that name brings faith to me that I'm getting out of this. Amen? 
Jesus. Amen. Uh, some of you heard the story, and I think I might have mentioned it one of the last times I preached, but in uh, Fort Worth, one of our friends, in fact, we were married in his church in Fort Worth, he was preaching on Psalm 91 for a series. And so, uh, you know, the Psalms 91 says that with his feathers he will cover us. You know, it's a wonderful picture. If you've ever seen mama hens with their little chicks, they just cover them, especially if a storm's coming. They gather those chips, ch chicks and they put them under there and they just cover them. It's a wonderful illustration. So it says, and with his feathers he will cover us. And so this lady was walking down in Fort Worth and uh, these, this man, or I think it was one or two men, started to mug her, and she couldn't think of Psalm 91. So she just said, feathers, feathers, feathers. He ran away. It worked. Maybe he thought she's crazy, but she couldn't think of the whole Psalm 91, but she knew she was covered with his feathers. So all she could say was, feathers, feathers. <laughs> and he ran away. And then there's, the story continues that, Later on, that man was in a meeting and came up and said, I was the man. That scared him when she said feathers. So, ladies, if you want to just hold that in your little compartment, you can believe never to have, be attacked, number one. But if you ever were near that, just say feathers. No, you got to have faith in it. Amen? So faith builds it. So praise the Lord. The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you got to think, the promises of God. You've got to think of those and not what the enemy says, not what your body says. Let me tell you, your body can do a lot of talking. My body's done a lot of talking in the last few months, weeks, not months, weeks. And uh, you have to talk louder than your, your body. You have to. And so if we want to be healed, if we want to walk in healing or prosperity or any of those things, we have to have faith in us. Amen. Uh, the children in toddler's class, uh, Sarah was teaching them, and you were taught them First uh, John 4, 8, was it? 4, 18. Perfect love cast out. Now, you didn't, you used a different translation, but well, perfect love, what? Something fear. You're the teacher. You. <laughs> was it just this last one? Yeah, it was. It was on fear. Yeah. Makes something like that because I know I was going over it like you're supposed to do with your children. You're supposed to go over the, the what they learn and, you know, go over the scripture. So I was going over it with Moses on Monday morning. Moses, let's go over your scripture. And I said, perfect love cast out fear. And he said, that's not right. <laughs> that's not what my teacher said. <laughs> okay. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, I've never counted it, so I, I thought about it today. I thought, maybe I should do this, and I'm sure I could figure it out. Well, no, I'm not sure I could, but there's a possibility I could figure it out how to do it on the computer. How many times it says fear not in the Bible? But I've been told, and you've heard it many times, it's 365 times the Bible says to fear not. Has anybody in here ever gone to check that out? We should do that. We don't want to have fake news, do we? <laughs> we should check that out. But there's, I know there's enough times in there that we should know not to fear. Amen? So I was thinking about that with scriptures with the children. Perfect love casts out fear. 
Well, what does the Bible say in 1 John? It said, in 1 John 4, same chapter, it said, God is love. Now, where does God abide in us? Is he in us? He's in us, right? So love is in us. If love is in us, fear can't be in us. Isn't that what, doesn't that make sense? Fear is an imposter that we have to say, you can't come in. Amen, you can't come in. In the South, we had poison snakes in our yard all the time. Uh, water moccasins would drop in our boats. You know, when we were on the water, they would just drop in, and they're poisonous, very poisonous. And, you know, you'd just be fishing along the shore, and these snakes would drop in. Just, howdy doody. <laughs> and, you know, you'd have to get them out of the boat. Or we'd be jumping rope as children, there'd be a cotton... Uh, a cotton mouth water moccasin or a copperhead. Now, a copperhead, you couldn't see very well. It kind of hide. They were mean. Those guys were mean. Or it could be a rattlesnake. But never once did my mama open the door and say, come on in, snakes. My mama attacked those snakes. I felt sorry for the snakes because she was mean. Because she was protecting us. Amen? Those snakes, she'd cut off the head with her. She'd get like a garden hoe, and she'd cut off the head. And if you know anything about snakes, they just keep moving, and the head keeps snapping. And it's, it's like over here, and the body's over here. That freaks out a kid. <laughs> would that freak you out? Yeah, it's kind of it's weird. But my mama would say, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Because fear, you know, in, in like dogs, if you're afraid of a dog, that's one of the things you covered in toddler's class. If you're afraid of a dog, do you know that the dog senses that you're afraid? Right? Yes. The dog senses you're afraid. Uh, we don't know, but my daughter, when she was a little, about three, all of a sudden she was afraid of dogs. We don't know what happened. We don't, we don't know where it came from. So we were teaching her how to not be afraid. <laughs> So we're walking through a campground, and she's on her daddy's shoulders, and someone in the campground has a sweet little dog just not doing anything but watching people go by, not barking, not doing anything, and Liberty screams out, Go, in the name of Jesus! It's like the people in the campground are, What? And then she said it in Cree, Oh, what's it, them? And they're going, What? Because... We told her you can't be afraid, but you can use the name of Jesus. Amen? So the, Satan's like that too. He can sense when you're afraid, and so he just pours it on. But we can build up our faith. Praise the Lord. I, I want to read to you 2 Timothy 1.7. This is the one that I said that you should teach your children, but you should teach it to yourself. You should say it a lot. God has not given us a spirit of timidity. This is out of New American Standard. The King James says fear. I looked it up in the original, and uh, timidity is a better translation, but it's still the same. But of power and love and discipline. In the Amplified, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardness, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. I like that because if I have a disciplined mind and if I have self-control, fear can't come in, right? Yes. 
fear is, fear can be just uh, anything that, that would cause you to think irrationally, right? Like, you might come in and say, oh, somebody looked at me wrong. They must be mad at me. That's the fear. That's a fear that we got to get over and we, got, we can't have it. I can't say get over. I don't mean that because really you can't get over it, but you can put faith in there to get rid of it. Amen? You don't have to get over it. I'm going to read out of uh, Numbers because this is really where this message came. It came Monday night when I was praying, actually during corporate prayer, and I, the Lord started giving me this, uh, this, uh, this few verses here, Numbers 13. Start at verse 25, I think. Let me see. When they returned from spying out the land, you know God had, uh, they had sent out 12 spies. You know this story, right? This story is very familiar, but sometimes we get so familiar with things we don't pay attention. So let's go back and read it out of the word. Verse 25. When they returned from spying out the land the in, at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. If you've ever been to Israel, you'll see the government uh, license, the government uh, cars and everything. They have a picture of two men carrying a, a uh, big bunch of grapes and it takes two men with a great big pole. You've seen that in Israel, right? It's one of their, their things that they have in that country to denote that they're, they're in the promised land. It is their land, by the way, just so that you know that. God promised it. <clears throat> and they brought back word to them and to all the congregations, showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They're showing him the fruit. Now, they could have stopped right there. That would have been a good report, right? But that's like saying to the Lord, and I've heard people say, I know, and they'll say, you say, but we're just quoting what the word says. I know that you said God would meet all my needs, but, but, you know what B-U-T does? It, it just cancels out what you said before. You can say, I really love you, but... That, that just cancels it out. So they'll say, I know you said God will su supply all my needs, but, and that, then they'll usually say, but he's not working. It's not, he's not doing it. That's what these guys says. It was just like you said, God. There was milk and honey. It was wonderful. But, nevertheless, the, here's, here's their going back. This is what they're saying. It's just like you said, God. But here's the reason it's not going to work for us. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev and of the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Nevertheless, the people who live there are strong and he keeps telling them. What kind of strong people? In other words, God, this is what you said, but you didn't realize those people are good. I mean, they're, they're strong. We can't do it because of the people. You know, the uh, a great scripture for you to know about is Proverbs 
uh, Proverbs 29, 25, said the, the fear of people, or the fear of man, is a snare. We always teach that to our, our ministers, people going in the ministry, because you'll, you'll start having a fear. You want the people to like you. You have a fear the people are going to get mad at you. And it's a snare. What is a snare? It's like a trap, right? So if I have a fear of people, it becomes a trap. So if you're afraid, like if you're going to go tell somebody about Jesus and, you know, you feel like, I'm just, I just got to go tell somebody, and you get out there and you first person you come up to, you want to talk to them, all of a sudden fear grips you because you're afraid of the people, right? If they, if they just had a black hood on their head, you could talk to them because you wouldn't have to look at them. But no, we have a fear of the people. So this is what they had, right? God said, this is the land I'm sending you. You can have the land. And they said, it is just like you said. There's, it's flowing milk and honey. Look at all the fruit of the land. But God, the people are too strong for us. One, one uh, verse says that they brought back an evil report. So the ten spies and the people that heard them were what? They were fear motivated. This is what you got to learn. You got to learn that when you make a decision, do you make it out of fear or out of faith? It's a really good lesson that you questioned your decisions. It's particularly concerning your children, particularly concerning what God's promised you, the things he said to you. You make decisions like God says to us. Here, let's use what God's given us. God's given us a vision how to expand. But he's telling us, don't do anything in a hurry. Seek me. Wait on me. In other words, we're not going to take a vote what people think we should do. We're going to wait on the Lord. So don't get, don't get nervous. Don't start talking among yourselves. I wonder what they're going to do. What, what are we going to do? When are we going to do it? Because I promise you, we've heard from God. We had a direct prophetic word to us. To wait on the Lord. Well, you know what? We could do that, but then what, what if we start thinking, well, what are the people going to say? What are the people going to say when they, you know, it's like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't be afraid of the people. God's got a plan. Amen? So we could be fear motivated and say, well, we got to do this because, you know what? Prices are going to go up. Things are going to start being more expensive. We need to do it right now. How many have done things in a hurry sometimes and missed God? You just, you jumped ahead of God. Am I the only one? No, thank you. There's some. You jumped ahead of God because you knew God said, but you jumped ahead of him. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus and for forgiveness and for mercy? When he, you know, you can look back and go, oh man, I just really messed up. You know, you've heard me tell that I knew God, God, a prophetic word. I got the day after I got saved, taking communion I didn't even know God still talked. I didn't know there was prophecy. And they started prophesying over me and said, you're going to go to another land and you're going to speak to people who don't speak your language, the people with brown skin. I'm from Texas. So I don't think about Canadians or Filipinos. I think about Mexico. I think about South America. So, you know, a few months later when the missionaries came from Guatemala and they came, they needed someone to go down and help them. Well, see, my thought was, okay, I'm, that's what God said. Didn't he say that? So that must mean me. I went up and said, I'm, I'll go. I'll quit my job. I'll leave my family. I'll go. I thought that was just a wonderful thing. 
And they said, no, we don't want to take you. <laughs> well, could I got offended? I pro I, I'd be honest, I probably was offended. I was a baby Christian. I, I do remember thinking, what's wrong with me? Well, there was a lot wrong with me. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a baby Christian. They didn't need to have a burden over there. You know, some people say I have a burden for that, that, that mission field. And then they go over there and they become the burden. We've had people come up and say, we want to come up and help you. You know, we want to come up and do stuff. And thank God for their heart, but they come up and they're supposed to help us and we end up taking more of our time ministering to them and helping them. You understand? And thank God that, you know, we're not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that if God tells, if you have a burden for a country, you might have a burden, but you better pray to see if you go over there, will you be a burden? Because they don't need, missionaries do not need people that come over there with issues and problems and getting offended and getting, you know, I don't want to do that. This is what I'm supposed to do. Listen, when you're on the mission field, you do whatever you're told to do and you do it happy and smiling and go, praise the Lord, I'm just so happy to be here. Amen? So anyway, let's go on with this. These people were fear motivated, but then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Remember, Joshua and Caleb came back with a different report. Caleb said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Now, that's the word of the Lord, isn't it? Because God's already said, I'm going I'm to give it to you. Listen, when God gives you a word, now I'm not talking about Sister Susie gives you a word. I'm talking about when God gives you a word. Now, he might use Sister Susie, but if it's Sister Susie, you need to make sure it lines up with the word of the Lord, with the Bible, and with what God's saying in your own spirit. Amen? So, <clears throat> I don't know who Susie is, so don't, <laughs> don't take that about meaning somebody. But the men who had gone up with him, these are the other ten spies. They saw the same thing Joshua and Caleb saw, didn't they? How many know that the same people can hear the same sermon and there'll be about seven different or more interpretations of what God said. Well, that's okay because sometimes I might be preaching, Pastor Jonathan might be preaching, someone else might be preaching, and God's talking to you about something because the anointing's there. Amen? So it's not wrong to, you know, have a different, you hear something differently. But listen, these people saw what God said, but they made a wrong decision, and they said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. Now, why would God say you're going to go in and he would send you into people who were too strong? He wouldn't do that, would he? See, sometimes you've got to think with your, your brain and say, That's, why would God do that? Well, they, you know, you've, you've read it. They have several opinions. They said, so they gave out... So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Really? And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Well, that's a possibility. There also, there also we saw the Nephilims, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. 
It was how they saw themselves first. You've heard this preached many times. I'm not preaching something you never heard preached. But they said, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And so that's how the people saw us. You know it's important how you see yourself. You have to see yourself as God sees you. If you see yourself as weak, if you see yourself as a victim, as you, if you see yourself as not able to do what God's called you to do, then you know what? You project that and that's what people will see. Isn't that right? Do you understand what I'm saying? If I, if I constantly say, you know what? I don't know why God asked me to preach. I don't, have, I don't know why God did that. I don't know what he was thinking. I'm not capable of doing that. It would be harder for you to receive, wouldn't it? Because you would think, she doesn't even believe she's called. Amen? So you've got to believe what God says about you before anything. And it says, <clears throat> there, uh, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Then all the congregation, all, does that word say all? Yeah. All the congregation. I mean, that's 100%. Lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Why were they weeping? Okay, here's the thing. They have two guys that went in, they, uh, 12 guys that went in. They all saw that the land was flowing with milk and honey, just like God said. They saw these huge things of grapes, like took two men to carry one bunch of grapes. You know, it wasn't something you're going to put in your grocery cart. They were big. They saw all the goodness of the land, and yet they didn't believe they could have it. And today we have a world full of Christians that can read the same Bible that you read and I read, maybe in their own language, but the same words from the Holy Spirit inspired. And most of them won't believe they can do what God says. Most of them won't believe they have authority. Most of them won't believe that they can lay hands on the sick and, and uh, see them healed. Most of them won't believe they can cast out a devil. But I'm telling you, we're of a different spirit. Amen? We have a different spirit about us because we believe the Word of God. And if you're in here tonight and you don't believe it, stay with us. Stay, keep coming. You'll start believing it. Amen? Because the Word of the Lord is inspired by the Holy Spirit and it will not fail. God says that the Word will never return to Him uh, without accomplishing what it's sent to do. Amen? So when if he said that in the Old Testament. Well, so when he said to the people of Israel, when he said, you go in, there's a land flowing. With, let's see what he said. He said, uh, there's a land that is flowing with milk and honey and it has grapefruit. When God said that, when he said it, that should have settled it, right? When God says to the word church, you're going to be a light in a city on a hill, and God says, I'm going to bring people to you, that's what God says, amen? We can say, but God, but God, but God. We can't do that and have faith because the but God will become fear. How are we going to do that? How are we going to have this? How are we going to have that? I don't know, but I just know this. That when God says something, we'd be real smart to just believe it and not try to figure it out. Have you, uh, you know, it's like I told you, you've heard this, you probably heard Pastor David said if you've been around long enough, that in Loon Lake, we, you know, we didn't get a salary, didn't have any money. We weren't getting a salary. 
And thank God for the people there that would kill a moose and put it on the back porch. We didn't have a refrigerator. We didn't have, you know, uh, we just didn't have hardly anything. And uh, so we would go to the mailbox down Loon Lake. You'd go to the post office. That's where the mailbox was. You'd go to the post office and you'd look in the mailbox because hopefully there'd be somebody that sent us some money. And it was, wasn't very often, but, some, you know. So I remember one time we, we were so, I mean, we had dug into the, you ever dug into the couch for the coins and in the, in the car checking for coins? And anybody been there, been there, done that? Yeah. Man, we were digging for money because we, we didn't have any money. And we, you know, we had just immigrated, so you couldn't get on, not that we wanted on government support, but we couldn't have gotten on it anyway. And so David said to me, Brownie, I'm going to the post office. I'm going to check the mail. Well, I knew what that meant. Maybe God has someone that sent us some money. And he said when he put the key in and opened it up, the word of the Lord came to him and said, David, I don't live in the mailbox. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> it seemed like he sure could, but what he was telling us is we were putting our hope, that's where we thought God could bless us, in that mailbox. If we, if we could go to the mailbox, there'd be provision. But you know what? We, were, we weren't even looking around that we had food. We never went hungry. We had food. We had potatoes from the farmers, carrots from the farmers, moose from the First Nations people. We had what we needed. Amen? We had to learn to be thankful and not just keep thinking, when's the money going to come? When's the money going to come? Because let me tell you, with God, you can live without money. But here... He wants us to have money so we can get this gospel out. Amen? He wants to bless you, but let me tell you, if, it's, if you're without a job, God can supernaturally take care of you. But let me tell you, that that doesn't mean we're all supposed to quit our job and just come into the church and sit here and say, well, God has supplied. No, you do what you... We were working for the Lord. I mean, we were, we were preaching everywhere they called us. And, uh, you know, we had learned to just trust God for gasoline in the car. I remember the first time I w went to some place to preach, and I was just a baby, probably six months old in the Lord. And th this, this group had called me to preach in a town 30 miles away, and I didn't have gas in the car. I thought, well, I'll just pray. God will help me. Anybody ever prayed for gas to, in their car? Yeah, praise the Lord. And so, <laughs> so I drove over there. I was supposed to play the piano for this, this Christian gathering. And I went over there, and I played. And so afterwards, they tried to give me a check. And we want to bless you and help you with your gas. I went, oh, no, thank you. The Lord supplies all my needs. No, thank you. And went back home, 30 miles back home, praying in tongues the whole way, and thought I had a great testimony. I couldn't wait to tell the people who led me to the Lord, listen, I didn't have gas in the car. I had gas to get there. They tried to give me money, but I said, my God supplies my needs. And I got back. I, it's on empty. I don't know how it happened, but I got here. And the guy that led me to the Lord went, Brownie, God was trying to supply your need. 
You didn't take the money. That was God. See, pride came in. It's like, oh, no, I don't need your money. No, 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 no. I really needed that money. Now, God was gracious to help me in my ignorance, wasn't he? But I learned, you know, I had to learn to know how to receive. Let's read on before we quit here. We're just going to finish here. Remember, they're all grumbling. Now, who do they grumble against? Moses and Aaron, the leaders. And the whole congregation. I'm telling you, it's bad enough when you have one or two grumbling to you. It's bad when you get the whole congregation. Would that we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died in this wilderness. Remember another scripture says, did he, did he bring us out here because there wasn't enough graves in Egypt? <laughs> did he bring us out here to kill us? They had such great faith, you know. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Now, they already had a leader, but he didn't want to go to Egypt. He wanted to go to the promised land. If you don't get behind the word of the Lord, it doesn't matter who your leader is. It doesn't matter who the pastor is. It doesn't matter who the leadership is. If you don't follow the word of the Lord, then you will hinder everybody from going. That's a pretty big responsibility, isn't it? That's big. Now, we know the Bible says that those who minister the word will be, I mean, we have to answer to God. And uh, he holds us responsible much more than he holds someone that's listening. He holds us much more responsible. But let me tell you, it's my responsibility. When I'm sitting over there and Pastor Jonathan is up here, I might be his mother in the flesh, but when I'm over there, he's my pastor. And I receive what he says is from the Lord. Amen? And I watch and I look at my Bible so that I can prove it and see that, yes, this is the Lord. But you see, I have to receive it. I have to learn how to receive it. So let's see what Moses and Aaron, I mean, you got, we're talking about thousands of people. Anybody can guess how many people we're talking about was in that congregation? I can't either. (laughs) I bet you thought I knew the answer. I don't remember. But we're talking about thousands. I mean, if all of you guys just started grumbling and saying, well, we, you know, we should do this, we should do that, that's enough. But what if it was that thousands of them? Moses and Aaron, you know, they could have said, well, okay, you guys just go back to Egypt, be slaves. We don't care. Moses would say, I'll just go back to the desert. I was happy there anyway. Aaron would say, I'll go back with him. You know, we, had, we were doing fine in the desert. They could have, couldn't they? But thank God for godly men. They fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation. I bet that made those people think, why are they doing that? (laughs) Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Remember they said that our children and our wives would be their prey. Their protection, I I want you to underline this, pay attention to this next. It says their protection has been removed removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You want to know how to pray 
against things that are hindering you or hindering the flow of God, just thank God your protection will be lifted from that. Amen? Listen, God, we're in the new covenant now. That's the old covenant. It's a little different. God desires that all men are saved, right, and come into the knowledge. But let me tell you, Paul even did this. When you have someone that continually opposes the gospel, opposes, 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 what did Paul do? He said that they were to pray, <laughs> that uh, they would turn this, they were, he was talking about this guy that was in the church, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so, so that his soul might be saved in the day of judgment, right? Well, that's, I, I don't know, you might not have ever prayed that. I hope you haven't had to pray that. I know of one time that I heard my husband pray that. And I knew, we, we knew, I mean, it was months of praying in the Spirit. And then one day I heard him pray it over something. And I tell you, things started to change. Things started to change. And at the, I, you know, you feel bad, but at the same time, you know, this is hindering the, the kingdom. This is hindering. So, I mean, I don't think you, I mean, this is rare. I've never prayed that. And I only heard him pray it once out of like 50 years of ministry. Not 50, 40 years of ministry. So it's not something we pray often, but let me tell you, you've got to understand that God will protect his people. And if people are opposing him, like those people that were in the promised land, God had already said you're supposed to conquer them. You're not supposed to be their buddies. You don't become buddies with the world. Amen? You pray that they come into the Lord. They come to Jesus. That's our prayer, that they come to Jesus. But if they won't come, if they keep opposing, then you pray, God, like for politicians, how many of you might have prayed this before? I know I have, and I got to close. But I pray this, either they turn towards you or you remove them from office. I don't say that they get assassinated. I don't say that they get killed. Just remove them from office. That's an okay thing to pray, isn't it? Because if they're stopping the gospel, then they need to be removed. It said their protection has been removed from, him and from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Do not fear them. Do not fear the people. Listen, if God is saying one thing particularly tonight is do not fear people. Don't fear people. God can cause us to be at peace with all people. It's really us that provoke people sometimes to cause us to fear them. We got to be we got to be people of love, because perfect love casts out fear. Right? I I can't fear people if I love people. Amen. You're not going to fear somebody you love. So if, if you're having a hard time with somebody, they're giving you trouble, start asking God to help you love them like he does. I just choose to love them. And that love will cast out that fear. But all the congregation says to stone them with stones. That's crazy. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. That glory didn't come because they were praising the Lord. They had great music that night. That glory didn't come because they had been interceding and fasting for days. That glory came as a sign that this is, this is God's doing. It was a sign to them, this is God. Listen, the glory 
If you're not right with God, the glory can be very harmful to you. Now, that's in Old Testament. I'm talking to Old Testament. Amen? But even in the New Testament, I'm telling you, God's not going to, you know, he's not killing us and doing those kind of things. But I'm telling you, there is something if we don't give in to the glory, if we don't it, yield ourselves to God's glory, to God's purposes, to God's plans, then there will be a price to pay. It might be that we'll, it'll take longer to get something that we've been believing God for. It'll take, it'll, there'll be an open door for the enemy. We don't want to do that. One preacher said this, and I don't remember because I've heard it quoted so many times, so I can't tell you who said it, but he said, fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Now, I know I, I can name some preachers that say it, but I don't know who said it first. But fear tolerated is faith contaminated. I was, sit, I was walking with Jonathan when he was a baby, just about, uh, I mean, when we, we first came into this building, so we came in when Liberty was first born. Uh, so anyway, John was probably three. I was, I was carrying him about where uh, Randy is. I was right about that, and somebody stopped me, and John, they said hello to John, and John turned his head, and I said, oh, he's shy. And I just walked, and I started walking. I excused his behavior, said he's shy. And I got about right here, and the Lord said, don't you ever say that again. Shyness is fear. We don't tolerate fear. Never excuse that as saying, never put it on your child. I'm not quoting him right now. I'm, I'm kind of mixing my, my words. But uh, let me just mix my words here and so that I'm not quoting God. He said to me, don't ever say that again because shy, shyness is fear. And so I knew that I could never say over my children they're shy. You can't say it over yourself. What is shyness? Isn't it fear? So why do we tolerate it? Why do we excuse it? When a child, you know what? Have you, do you remember when you were a kid? My mother made me kiss every old lady in church. And I was sure one of them was going to die when I kissed them. I, I didn't like it at all. But I was going to get a spanking if I went home and didn't do it. So I'd go, and oh, she's so cute. Oh, she gave me a kiss. If they only knew what I was thinking. But my mother didn't say, oh, she's shy. Oh, no, my mother said, you kiss. So don't give yourself permission to walk in fear. Don't say, I'm shy. Don't. It might not be your personality to be. I mean, some people are extroverts and some people are introverts. But you know what? It's okay to have different personalities. But don't let fear stop you from doing the will of God. Amen? And don't put it on somebody. And if somebody's child comes up and they say, say hello to, to Tony, and the kid goes, don't you say, oh, they're just shy. You just say, it's okay. It's okay. I don't, I don't want people to force their children to hug me or to shake my hand. or anything. I don't want that. I think it's great when we teach our children to be polite. But how many know you can teach your children over and over and they will surprise you sometimes and not be what you taught them to be? But sometimes we're not so polite either, so praise the Lord. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Feed your faith, starve your fear. If you'll feed your faith, your fear will be starved. Amen?
praise the Lord. Let's stand up.